Hi, this is Cheetah Mac, and you are listening to the fabulous Gruesome Herzog. Nobody better.
everyone, this is Gruesome Herzog. My very special guest tonight is G. Tom Mack. You guys might know him from back in 87 from the song he did in The Lost Boys, Cry Little Sister. How's it going, G. Tom? Very well, thanks, mate. How are you? Great. I'm glad to have you on here. This is pretty exciting. Yeah, good to be here. Yeah, the reason why I have you on here is basically is because you have a new album coming out later on in July, and you also have five songs in a movie Merging Past that's coming out sometime this year. But then again, you probably hear it all the time. Um, you've done a lot of songs in the movies in the 80s and the 90s, and even in The Lost Boys, The Tribe. But your biggest hit to me is Cry Little Sister and Lost Boys. And uh, that's a fan favorite, I can guarantee it, from a lot of a lot of uh, 40-some-year-olds going up. You know? Yeah, and some tw- and some 16-year-olds and 20-year-olds as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Big song. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. You know, I, I never would have imagined when I wrote that song for the Lost Boys movie as a theme when Joel Schumacher had asked me to write something as a theme for the movie. I, I, I you know, I loved it. I love like, I mean, obviously passionate about what it came up with, but never thought that it would go on to have the life it had, you know, right. in generation, new generations coming up with it. And, and to, you know, Eminem to have sampled me on the and won a Grammy last week, actually, for um, uh, the album Recovery. So it's pretty amazing just yeah. to see where, you know, and one great thing about that song, it's made other pe- it's made fans aware of my other stuff now, you know, so that's a great attribute to that yep. song I wrote back 22 years ago, <laughs> whenever it was. Yeah. Well, what's so amazing about that song is, 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 is the voice that you do it, I mean, how high you go. I mean, how, how you can hold it. That's just a, you know, that, that is so... Um, catchy in that song it's just it sounds great yeah it the, sounds great in an ipod and headphones yeah i i, I thank you I, mm-hmm. I mean i i can't believe that i can still hold that note that's i was yeah <laughs> um yeah. you know it was interesting at the grammys the other night you know when we were there you know watching mick jagger doing what he his solomon burke um tribute and um it was amazing i'm going well he's fucking older than I am and uh, <laughs> so I should be able to hold that note and cry little sister when I get to be his age you know oh yeah so but yeah it's a, it's incredible you know I even heard the remix I even heard the remix too uh the remix of cry little sister yes oh my yeah, god well, there's, uh, there's, yeah well there's a few of them you know yeah. uh, the one we I did a, I did one with these two DJs in um 2003 in England it went to number one wow. uh, it was sort of a club version of that yep. and then I did it, and then I did a version for True Blood as well that's the version so, that I have yeah it's kind of it was an interesting sort of take on it you know um, they had asked me if I'd come up with something for the show which they've not used yet but they but they're threatening to use it sometime either this season or the closing season of True Blood whenever that is but um we shot a little video of it. And it was kind of cool, you know. Yeah. I've never, you know, it's a sign of a good song, really. And I'm not patting myself on the back, but I never imagined it ever that I could take it and morph it into kind of a bluesy thing like that, yeah. you know. Yeah. And um, when I sat down with my national guitar and just started mucking around a bit, it, uh, yeah, kind of worked, you know. So yeah. we just uh, decided to make a little video on it as well. Yeah, but the amazing part about you is you also did a song for another movie back in 82 that is today is probably a, a uh, I should say I guess you can say a cult favorite even today Fast Times at Ridgemont High um, The Look oh, in yeah. Your Eyes I mean come on that's a big fan favorite also 
Yeah, you know, I thought that song would be the song that would go on to <laughs> build my career. <laughs> Honestly, you know, I never would have imagined Quite a Little Sister, but yeah, that was an interesting time. Um, Cameron Crowe, who wrote uh, Fast Times at Richmond High, and it was directed by Amy Heckerlin, but Cameron was a fan of the song, and, you know, it went in... Um, it went in a really cool little scene in a movie, and it was the soundtrack went on to sell quite a few million at that time. Mm -hmm. So it was a very early days, not early days, you know, of, uh, yeah, it was early days of me in my career getting on a, an album deal and getting music in movies and that kind of stuff. So yep. it was very new and fresh, but it was very an interesting time with all of that as well. It's yeah, an amazing part about it is the next one that you did a song for, which I also seen the movie, which is also a big hit today because Tom Cruise is in it. It's all the oh, right, right moves in '83. Mr. Wow, yeah. Popularity. Mr. Popularity, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it was really interesting. I, it was sort of a you know. It, I'll tell you a funny story about that. They had tempted in uh, what they mean temp meaning like they had when they were messing around with the editing of the film with the music. They put in Prince's Little Red Corvette, and they couldn't get the license uh, arrangement on it, meaning agreement right. or whatever. So the director had asked, you know, had gotten in touch with the music supervisor, said, "Who can come up with something that has that kind of thing?" He said, "I've got just a guy." And uh, so I got a ring, and I just said, well, I don't want to rewrite Little Red Corvette, you know. So I just went in the studio and, you know, messed around with something, and I came up with that song, and it just worked like a charm for yeah. them. So, uh, you know, a bit of falsetto voice in there. And <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. uh, it was really fun, actually. And the interesting thing is, is that there was never a soundtrack to that album. So, and I'm... Uh, I, I know we'll talk about this, but I have an, I'm releasing an album in late March that is uh, my greatest movie and TV songs from the vault, That's if you awesome. will, uh, of songs that never were on soundtracks. I mean, I did, and, there, mm -hmm. and I am putting a look in your eyes, which was on the Fast Times at Richmond yep. sound, High soundtrack. But um, but I'm releasing several songs that were never. Um, ever released there never was a soundtrack to so that being one of them Mr. Popularity from All the Right Moves well what, what was amazing about your span in the 80s is, is you hit two genres two genres you hit the the teenage you know movies like you know All the Right Moves and Fast Times Are High then you also hit the horror genre well Lost Boys is vampire but it's considered in the horror genre anyways and, and then it, and then you've done uh, The Lonely Guy with Steve Martin um some good songs there as well. So you hit all the, the levels in the 80s. So that kind of helps you also balance out what you've done. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, you know, in the midst of all of that, you know, it's interesting. I was I had, was making my own um, records, albums, and um, and I'm going on the road, and I'd come back into town, and, you know, there would be, you know, a, a movie that I would be up for, and some I wouldn't would get, and some I wouldn't. But... It was a very interesting time because I was really, I loved, I've always loved film. In fact, when I was a kid, I always thought I was going to be a director or a, writer, a screenwriter or something. But, um, you know, of course, music sort of overpowered me, and I, that was the sort of the thing I gravitated to. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I made a few albums back then during that period of time that were very... Um, I don't know. They were adventurous, I suppose, but I'm I'm still proud of them. And um, 
you know, and, and I was had the good fortune of other people recording my songs as well, you know, like yep. Kiss and yep. well, Carly Simon and all these people. So it was pretty interesting. Yeah, you know, it just you mentioned about that you wanted to be, a, you said a screenwriter, right? Is that what you said? Well, I said I, that when I was a kid, right, when I was, you right. know, 10, 11 years right. old, we were all imagining something, right? right. <laughs> what we're going to be. But I was either a director or a screenwriter, right. yeah. But that yeah. voice, that voice uh, you did the right thing. I mean, I I can't get over, you know, the Cry Little Sister. I mean, I've heard a lot of songs over the years, you know, and there's a lot of good singers. But that song, I said it before, it's probably got sound like a broken record, but that song is, today, it's a very, very catchy song. I, you know, I just yeah, I can't well, say it enough. You know, it's unbelievable the amount of emails and the, in the past and now the Facebook stuff. And, and more importantly, when I go out and do shows, the fans, I, I mean, it's amazing how the, the effect it's had on so many people's lives. I mean, even before the Internet kicked in, and I remember, I think it was about 1990 or 91, I remember getting a call from somebody in... I don't know what department at Atlantic Records, maybe the mail room, because it was like three bags of mail up there that addressed to me regarding Cry Little Sister. And I, and I got this call saying, hey, could you come up and pick these bags up? Because there's a significant amount of fan mail to you regarding your song in the Lost Boys. And I said, well, yeah, sure. You know, so it had accumulated, you know, over a couple of years. So I went up there with a friend of mine, and we got, I was, I was living in New York at the time. So we, you know, lugged the bags down into the cab, <laughs> got back to my apartment, and I was looking at these uh, literal physical mail, and I was going, my God, you know, I mean, people telling me they, their, you know, brother died to this song because he had, you know, terminally ill or something. I mean, just, it was just from extremes to that, to getting married to a song, and people have played it at funerals, and... It was just phenomenal, because I, I had really no idea. I mean, I knew the soundtrack had sold well, but I didn't know. I'd really not gone on the road during that time, because I was just really kind of been, been fed up with going out on the road. And, right. you know, I, I just, you know, I'd been beaten up at that phase of my life. But um, mm. I was still writing and re recording, you know, producing other people, you know, at that time. I started getting into that a bit. But... I had no idea that this whole cry little sister world was going on, yeah. uh, you know, out there and affecting people. So come around the mid-90s to late, you know, I started to just think it out a bit more. And in the advent of the Internet, obviously, I was able to communicate a lot more with fans and what have you and, yeah. and got my bum back out on the road again and started yeah. to, you know, um, take advantage or not take advantage, but just certainly give the people... You know, letting them know who, you know, what I am and what I do, and 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 um, more importantly, communicate with the fans. You know, because that's really what it's about. You know. Yep. And you mentioned the '90s. You've done a song called "One World for Us" and "Born to Be Wild," kicking yeah. and screaming. Yeah. The great movie, movie nobody knows except for a <laughs> bunch of parents that took their kids to see it. <laughs> but I really loved the song. You know, yep. it was like it. it so you know this movie then, right? Yep, yep. It, yeah. Well, it was crazy, and, and a lot of people do. I mean, there's a whole generation of kids now that their parents took them to see this little <laughs> movie that are now 18 and know this song, you know? Um, and it's awesome. crazy. But, uh, yeah, it was a kind of... Um, it was a Warner Brothers film, and uh, it was geared towards the Free Willy crowd, if you will. Yep. You know? Yep. Um, 
that, that Free Willy had come out, and this was a movie. I called it about Free Willy on land because it was about an ape being captured and let go and all that, you know. Yeah. But, you know, it was, yeah, it was a piece of a fluff of a movie, but it was fun to have written that song for it. And, um, you know, the thing about writing songs for music, no matter... <laughs> uh, sometimes they're not the greatest movies in the world, right. but... You're not. It's not your fault that the movie. As long as you can really compliment the best you can, and yep. and and you walk away from it, and the audience goes, "Well, the movie was crap, but that song was pretty good." Yep. You know. Yeah. Exactly. So you, exactly. That's the whole idea. You know. So you can't be uh, proud about every movie. You do. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny you mention that. My daughter Kayla, she's born in '92, and I took her to see. Um, well, actually, I took her with me to see Born to Be Wild. It's funny you mention that because she was three. Wow! You, you don't yeah. take you usually don't take three year olds to a movie theater. I said, you know what? <laughs> what the heck? But I know, yeah. But kicking, kicking and screaming is, is another one that I really enjoyed with my daughter. Um, the song you sang was in a twilight moment. It's amazing. Well, you, you got to remember, there's two kicking and screamings, okay? Mm-hmm. The and I always try to differentiate that. There was a kicking and screaming with Colin yep. Farrell in it. Yes. Kicking and screaming. I don't know if that's the one you're no, referring uh-uh, to, but no. oh, you are referring to the, the ninety-five uh, Parker Parker Posey. Boy, you are on your game. <laughs> oh yeah, I try to. I be. love this interview. <laughs> <laughs> I try to be. You got, you, boy, you got ten points there, mate. <laughs> um, yeah, that, I didn't actually sing that song in the movie. It was a Noah Birnbach directed film. Who's a wonderful director and writer. Um, he's done a few other films, which I can't remember right now. One with uh, Ben Stiller that just came out. Oh, yeah. I can't. yeah I uh, but anyway, yeah, what was your question about that movie, Oh, nothing. Man? Nothing. I just, uh, I just, I'm trying to get the, the, the listeners an idea of what you've done in the in the past. Yeah, it was kind of a jazzy song, and I had the, the an amazing artist from the 70s, actually. Uh, her name was Phoebe Snow. Who oh, yeah. Ha- mm-hmm. had a lot of hits back mm-hmm. then, you know, kind of folky, you know, she was sort of, she did a duet with Paul Simon back in the day and yeah really phenomenal classic singer and I had her come in the studio because Noah Birnbach the director wanted a female voice and I wrote this kind of Cole Porter-esque kind of song and uh, she came in and sang it and um, it was really great to have you know um, had her voice on this song yeah Yeah. in a twilight moment you're right and you've also done some uh, TV series. Now, you're going to laugh at me at this one. But there's one I do remember. <laughs> and it's one of my favorite TV shows growing up. Well, not growing up, but in the 90s. Um, yeah. Roseanne Show. <laughs> you written a God, song. God, you are digging up stuff. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. You I can't a, believe I forgot yeah. about it. You written you a know? song called Right to the End. <laughs> That's right. That is so right, and I, you know, I had, I'd never even saw the episode, I didn't, to be really honest with you, a lot of my songs are in TV shows, even to this day, and I've never seen them, you know, like, you know, it's, but I, I, I imagine sometime I'll get around to seeing them, Yeah. but the Roseanne, wow, right. how did it sound, how did it work, it, <laughs> tell good, me. It, good, it worked <laughs> good, but, you know, anything has to do with the Roseanne show, I mean, that, that's one show that I know that, it, that they can pull anything off. You know, David Crosby, of course you know who that is. Yeah, um, right, He was yeah. in there. But, um, yeah, it, it's amazing. You know, when I heard the song Cry Little Sister, I always, over the years, you know, who sang that? And then me, my mom always gets mad at me all the time, but I'm very, I do, 
a lot of research. It's not. I, it's impulsive. If I like well, some, if I if I like someone's song, if if I like someone's song, I'm always looking to see. Oh, what else did he do? And that's what I did over the years. It's I was hooked. You had me hooked on that one song. Wow. Yeah, it's interesting though. You know, I mean, you obviously are a lot more deeper into the research because you have a sort of you know because this is what you do yeah. interviewing people. But I even though I've had other people interview me, journalists and what and that, what have you, and they certainly didn't dig up Roseanne for me. You know, <laughs> <laughs> my song in the Roseanne show. It's funny because I used to on you know you get your royalty statements, and I used to see a lot of these shows and Roseanne on there going, "What song?" I mean, I'd see the song and go, "Wow, she did." They used that in that show, yeah. you know. And, now there's yeah. there's one that I was shocked that you've written a song for. It's called The Game, from Justin to Kelly. How did oh you, God, how did I was you, shocked too. How did you ever get involved with that? You know, it was one of those things at the time. Um, my publisher at DreamWorks, uh, when I was signed there as a writer in the, uh, I guess it must have been about ninety seven, ninety eight, said, "God, these." these the director of this film really wants something that's kind of cutting edge but sort of poppy and he loves your stuff can you come up with something I, I, and I said well Justin the Kelly it's not quite you know what I you know I, yeah I suppose let me see what I can do so um, I got with a mate of mine back in New York and they were looking for something that was sort of leaning towards George Michael meets Michael Jackson meets I don't know whatever and so we just started mucking around with a track and I had this melody I had already written a vibe and then we went to the studio and yeah came up with this track I didn't sing on that by the right. way we brought in a singer right. to sing on that this guy Gabriel K and we did a really good job but it was very uh, yeah it was a bit different a, a bit of a stretch but you know that's good for you every once in a while to yeah. take you out of what you you know I've always had a bit of a chameleon thing about me that I was able to sort of go in not to pat myself on the back, but I've enjoyed just delving into other kinds of music and, you know, seeing what it is, you know I mean? Because yeah. pop music really is hard to write, you know? Yeah. Nobody realizes that, yeah, there are some pop things that, you know, you question if it was really hard to write, but a really good pop song is hard, is not, like, it's just, okay, get it, I'm done, <laughs> you know? All those guys like Dr. Luke and, yep. you know, Red One and all those guys. Yeah, I mean, they spend time crafting those songs, you know, and getting the production. Just my hats off to that. Yeah, and there's one. But yeah, I'm surprised that I did that. To, did uh, from Justin to Kelly too. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't watch it. I won't. But <laughs> uh, I, I didn't. I didn't see. I just saw the scene because they had actually sent me the scene they wanted me to write the oh, song okay. for. And um, work is so work. I never watched the whole thing. So yeah. Now this next one, I'm going to shock you on. And uh, the Skulls Three in two thousand four, um, you written a I guess it's a instrumental version. Um, that's what I. That's what the thrill really is. Oh yeah, that's right. Skulls Three. Yeah, that, they, it was one of. The, I didn't write that song. They they basically licensed it. Oh, okay. Um, that wasn't something I just you know. In the world in which we do these, sometimes it's like you do specifically write something like "Born to Be Wild." I wrote that song for the movie, right. and "Cry Little Sister," obviously for Lost Boys and things like that. But there is this thing when they find a piece of music, they go to my publisher and say, "Hey, we want to license this song because it works very well." 
I that was another one too. I I finally saw that movie and they utilized it in. Um, again, I'm not singing on that. That was a girl um, who actually. Um, I had done that song for Felicity, and they were looking for some girl. They wanted to have. It was almost going to be the theme song to Felicity, actually. Uh, so basically, what DreamWorks did at the time is they, you know, Skulls Three and everybody else that wanted to go at having that song in their movie or TV show uh, were given a license. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, Trick or Treat in 2007, which was released yeah. in 2009. I think it took two years for the movie to get released. It's an alright movie. The movie that was, yeah, I know. It's, uh, I've never seen that film either, other than the fact that the director was very passionate about Cry Little Sister, and they yep. basically took my version from the uh, remix that I did in yep. in England at the time that was went, that I told you earlier about that went to number one. Yep. Yeah, they utilized that and that. How'd that sound? I never Sounded really good. It. Sounded good. Yeah. It, it, it actually, I hate saying this, but I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, but. The yeah. song actually made the movie better. <laughs> oh well, yeah, I've had, exactly. So, well, it's like well, you know that can happen sometimes. You know, people stick around because wow, well the music's good. Uh, yeah. Not crazy about this movie. Yeah. Maybe the music will get. Maybe the music will keep me intrigued. Hardly yeah. really the case because you really got to have a good movie. But but thank you anyway. Yeah, that's no nice to hear. And yeah. I am see, I'm old school, so I'm stuck on the original Lost Boys. Now I do mm. own the next. The remakes, which I haven't watched them yet, and I don't know why I'm dragging my feet and watching them. I guess I don't want it to ruin it, you know, from my experiences from the original. But as right. you know, the Lost Boys, the tribe, you also have yeah. Cradle of the Sister in there as well. Yes, a ba- the, well, in the movie, uh, they uh, a band called Aiden uh, did a cover of it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Now, as you know, you have a lot of new stuff. You have a new album coming out, but we'd like to mm. start with first. I have to plug this because I'm really dying to see this. I, As you know, I interviewed Thomas Churchill. Mm. Merging past, you've done five tracks for the soundtrack. And uh, one of your songs that I've watched on YouTube, I actually own the one song, uh, well, all the songs, but So I Bear. Now, if anybody out there that has not seen the video or heard this song, you can easily go to G. Tom's website, um, that is what is your your website address for that? Uh, gtommac.com. Okay, and go on there, and there's a YouTube video of him singing uh, "So I Bear." I want you guys to check this song out. Make sure you send me some emails and let me know what you think, because this song I heard it once and I loved it, and I constantly play it. Actually, it's in my iPod and uh, uh, so forth. But do you want to explain to listeners? Um, the five tracks, in case they haven't bought the soundtrack yet, the five tracks that you have on Merging Past? Yeah, on did, well, I was, at the time, uh, right before I met with the director, Tom, uh, to, with his interest in me getting, bo- getting on board to score the film, which is what I did, uh, by the way. Right, and, oh, um, So, yeah, I, I scored it and, I, and, and helped put all all the songs in the movie actually just grabbing other artists and what have you yeah. not just my own songs but um, but um, I was working on my what out al- the al- I just started to work on the album that I was just telling you about right. coming out in July yep. um, and um, uh, so there was a few songs already from that album that were already 
almost ready to finalize mixes and everything. So they seemed to work quite well uh, for the film, you know, as we were, you know, putting music up against the screen from a song's perspective, not right. the score. But, um, and then so I there, I was kind of working on a track already. Uh, I had already written that before even seeing the film, the actual music track. And, um, and then once I saw the film, I said, all oh, right, well, you know, um, I started to write something. I don't like to write lyrics about what's in the movie. I try to ride the overall feel of the film. Right. Like I did with Quite a Little Sister and any other movie for that yeah. matter. So it was, you know, it was a very, you know, I always try to use my, I use my own personal, what I'm going through at the time to apply lyrically as well. So it just seemed to be a natural fit, and that song seemed to work as its theme song for the film, so, um, uh, or thematically, if you will. Um, and, um, yeah, it just kind of worked out. And um, it, um, it's up on YouTube, and you can certainly see it there as well. So yeah. it's cool. Well, to be honest with you, when I, when I watched that YouTube video before I got the track, I was amazed after all these years, like you said, that you actually held it. And I was so amazed. I mean, that song, you know, honestly, I've been listening to Cradle Sister all the time, so I really didn't listen to your music constantly for one song, you know what I mean? I mean I've heard them, but now, right. but now, So I Bear, I listen to a lot myself. And to really throw back in time, you actually made an album. <laughs> I, was 14, yeah. I was 14 when it came out. And obviously, wow. I didn't buy it until like 1989 or something when I did some research on you. Um, it's called No Looking Back. <laughs> Gerard, yeah. Gerard McMahon. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, it's on Warner Brothers. Yes, and I actually just recently went out and purchased this again um, on CD. Um, wow. And, uh, you know, like, like, like I said, like I told you before, if a certain artist has my interest in the vocal style or anything I'm hooked and believe it or not me coming from the 80's hair metal 80's heavy metal scene back in the 80's, up in the 80s but I'm a versatile rock on <laughs> yeah, I'm versatile because I've been like some old 80's country as well because I grew up on country right. my parents but uh, now hey I love that stuff now is that album still selling me is it, is it still selling for you watch the No Looking Back album yes well you know it really it's out of circulation okay. I mean I mean I you I don't know uh, LP we're, what we're trying to do what we're doing what I am going to do is to take my very first album which is called Blue Roo that I did in 1981 82 wow and re-release that and um because there's really some cool stuff on that album mm -hmm. and and the No Looking Back album which came out a few years later and then also is an album in the 80s that I did right before I did Quite a Little Sister yep. on Atlantic called um, Foreign Papers which hardly anybody knows about this album and um, which is which is kind of a shame you know I had the worst luck when you know it was either I, with releasing albums I, got, I mean either the payola scan was going on at the time you know I don't know you know with radio and people were getting busted for payola and my record could come out I literally had this is not a lie. Uh, I tell you, not one word of a lie. But two albums, No Looking Back, and Foreign Papers. Both times my record was released, they just started to get some heat at radio, 
and then the payola scan uh, everybody was you know the FBI was busting all of radio so oh there were, at that time that's all we had you know right. to get a break and, and then I would just go out and beat myself up on the road and there would be you know 50 people in the audience and, there, you know, and I would be getting great reviews and all of that stuff but it just you know after a while it just it wore on your sort of uh, spirit you know right. and you go why am I what, you know why am I doing this and I thought you know I started to think well maybe it's maybe I should be writing and producing other people and not you know going out and doing this you know you get very confused especially when you're young and you really put your life into an album you know mm-hmm. and yeah. I mean I, I always equate it to what it must I mean, be like for a movie director when they've made this movie if we're like it's spent all this time it's the same kind of thing and it doesn't do well but you just pick up and you you know I'm glad that I went and went through what I went through meaning writing and producing you know other people like Roger Daltrey and you know yep. Robert Plant and and the likes of so many different artists and I, I really had a you know it's it was it was very good for me in a sense to have like say okay I'm putting away my solo career for a couple of years and uh, it was really right in around the time I did Cry Little Sister for the Lost Boys movie that I just stopped performing right so and I as I was telling you earlier before we were on air it was one of those things where I had no idea you know that Cry Little Sister was exploding like it was and of course once the DVD came out of Cry Little Sister or rather the BHS and then into DVD it just kept selling and selling and there was this whole other generation that was getting into the movie and the song so it's and, and to this day it's like Warner Brothers number seven best DVD seller of all time mm-hmm. so and that's a lot and when you consider the amount of films over there yeah I mean really. that's a pretty high high rate of, you know, it's in the top ten yep. but and, and um, yeah I never would have imagined or I didn't imagine all of that was going to happen so it's just you just never know where it takes you you know I'm really a big believer in you know fate and just following it as opposed to making your own path I mean you have to do some creating of your own path but you know um, yeah I think it's you know I'm pleased with where I am now and uh, no regrets really well you speaking of Roger Daltrey another another Mm. great singer but he uh had some nice yeah, words. he did all he did all right for himself, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he has some nice words about you. Um, your debut album in two thousand, the G. Tom Mac. Did you see what mm. he wrote? Uh, I, I I don't remember. I'm I, you know <laughs> honestly. <laughs> I know a lot of people wrote a lot of things, My but uh, what did what did he say? I'm such a research freak. Okay. He All says, right, by far one of my favorite records in a long time. G. Tom Max got rock and pop right where it should should be. Oh, well, that's nice for that little scruff to say that. <laughs> Actually, he's, uh, a, he's a great mate. I mean, yeah. he's, he's my yeah, hey, he's my best friend. Yep. You know, yeah, damn one good of my album. best friends. It has been, you know, and I really, you know, listen, I'm friends with a lot of the artists that I've worked with, but he and I became very close after that album, I Rocks in the Head, that I wrote and produced uh on it, on yep. it for him and um, you know we spent a lot of time very similar backgrounds not just because we're English but right. but you know you know he's a bit older than I am but it, it, 
very working class histories and I had that as well so and he's a wonderful human being I can't say enough good things for him he has this wonderful charity in England that he raises money for every year um, called the Cancer Trust for Children which builds extended extensions on hospitals for kin for children with cancer and, right you know I'm doing I'm, I, I try to do and spread the word as much as I can about that as well because yes. it's such a great cause yes it is you know, it's funny, real quick, if you don't mind. Roger Daltrey, as you know, The Who. Everybody likes The Who. But you know my favorite album that he ever did? And it's weird. It was back in 85, Under a Raging Moon. That Brilliant, was, brilliant album. That I love that album. I mean... It's one of my... Yeah, I think it's the other... The only solo album that I really... You know, I mean, I like Rocks in the Head. But mm -hmm. uh, I love that album. Yep. It's a great solo album. It's one of my did. favorite drummers. Cozy Powell, who passed away in a mm -hmm. car accident. As you know, that's yeah. a tribute to him that last song under a raging moon. Right, yeah. I'm amazing. All right, well, I don't want to bore you to death about that. <laughs> but, no, no, no. It's not boring. But um, it's the, the career that you have, like you said, you've been through the ins and the outs, and you've hit stardom, I think, from the Lost Boys soundtrack. And it can't get, and it can't, it, it can only get better. And, um, now you have a new album. Well, actually, if you want, we can talk about. Um, you have, like you said, you have a the greatest, basically the greatest hit songs from the '80s movies that's getting released. You said. Well, let's year? just not let's not say greatest hits because I didn't I didn't have a, enough hits in the '80s, and thank God I did. <laughs> well, you know the interesting thing is, you, uh, just to say this, uh, in a lot of ways, I'm glad I didn't have like these hits in the '80s that everybody else did. I mean, I. I I guess I would have accepted out of it, but there's a certain thing about Cry Little Sister of how long it's last, and it has a vibe about it that is sort of timeless. I never forget the day. There's a bit of history, and and we'll, we'll get into talking about the music from the film and TV vault in a minute that I'm going to put out yes. in, in March. But um, yeah, I mean, I almost didn't sing Cry Little Sister in the movie Lost Boys. They were the the, the record company Atlantic loved because Joel Schumacher wanted that to be the theme song of the film, they, the record company, said, well, we've got to get a, a famous person to sing it, meaning, like, they wanted Phil Collins to do it. They had, uh, who else did they have it? Steve Perry. All these singers that were just like, you know, and I was totally cool about it. Yeah, you know, go on, you know. Just, it's I, At that point, I sort of, like, I, I'd had enough of just being the artist, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but then Joel said, "No, it's got to be he's got to be G. You know, I've got to have him singing this." And you know, and I remember the A and R guy at the time. He wanted to be on my good side. He said, "Listen, we love your voice, but your and the track, but it's just too futuristic sounding." And I'm going like, mm, "That's part." Uh, he said, "But I hope." And I said, "He said, I hope I didn't offend you." This is what he says to me. I said, "Quite frankly, you." you highly complimented me. If this sounds futuristic, it means that the song's going to have a life forever, so why don't you bloody well keep it the way it is then? And he said, well, we can't because we need to have marquee value, you know, and all that crap. Oh, you know? give me but, so anyway, Joel Schumacher, the director, and Richard Donner, the producer, just said, that's it. Geez, it, it's, you know, it was under the name Gerard McMahon. But G is doing it for the soundtrack. That's it, and that was the rest of it. You know, that, oh, I mean, that was the history of that. So, but but anyway, yes. You know, the thing we were talking about this release of um, it's going to be called um, songs from the film and TV 
rather songs from the movie and TV vault, which is songs that a lot of them never were on soundtracks, um, meaning All the Right Moves, um, Chasing Amy in the mm-hmm. 90s. Um, God, I mean, there's probably about 14 tracks on there. There's a movie called Defiance, yep. the very first movie I ever did, and I was so young. When, yeah, and it was Jerry Bruckheimer. It was his second movie, I think, and I wrote four songs in that movie. But it was a track on that album called Bad Times, which was the theme for, which opened up the movie. Yep. And it was sampled by, oh, uh, God, who did that? Uh, you're the, guy, you're the research guy, come on. <laughs> I didn't get that but anyway, it became a hit, an R&B no. rap hit. And no. I can't remember who did Diggable Planets, that's who did it, yeah. And, um, but anyway, so it's, I'm really proud of all, I, we, I spent, God, I went through so many songs from various movies, let them be A movies or B movies, you know, I just said, well, I just want to select, I don't care if they're not well known, you know. I just want to select cool tracks that people had actually written to me about. Say, hey, how can I download, uh, you know, Monogamy Candy from Roswell or, or from a TV show? Or how can I get the thing from Fame that you did years ago? And so I just started thinking, well, okay, give the folks what they want, you know. Right. So we put together this compilation, and um, I think you have something to play for the folks, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> well. Well, you do know, um, when I said greatest hits of the 80s, <laughs> trust me, if a fan likes a movie and likes your song, to them it is a greatest hits. So remember that. Because 80s music, yeah. 80s music will never be forgotten. They, I mean, 80s music cannot be repeated. You know, it just, you know what I mean? It's like the, the 90s to me was horrendous as far as, um, industrial rock. Oh, come on. There was some good stuff in the 90s, no, come on. No, I meant like these bands like Pearl Jam and stuff like that. I just, you know, being a, a, an 80s hair band guy... And when yeah, every, you were committed. Yeah. And you when, were committed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then when 80s hair metal died, it's like, I was so resentful. <laughs> but but there, there is some good 90s. Now I'm saying like Smash Mouth and something like that there, I kind of reverted to the opposite side during the 90s because there really wasn't yeah. no good 90s metal except for old bands bringing albums out. But rock and roll, you know, like, I don't know, I'm babbling again, but it's just, like I said, a lot of people are going to say, oh, yeah, that's the greatest hits to me. So, you know, just don't cut yourself short. It might you have know, it's in- yeah, well, you know, listen, man, there, there's a significance to our youth by the time, by the music that we listened to during a period. Now, I'm imagining you were in your youth during mm-hmm. the 80s. Yeah. And, you know, it's an imprint on yep. our hearts and soul, and that will never go away. And, I mean, the interesting thing is, you mean, I have that, too. Even though I've always prided myself on listening to and appreciating new, fresh music, you know. I just It's just in my DNA. I just love, new, I mean, I love new fashions, you know, whether it be clothes or, or, or new styles and movie making or what have you. But there is that thing from the time I was, you know, 12 all the way up into you know my early to mid 20s that was there's certain music that will forever be part of me you right. know and I'm sure that's what you're talking about right and um, it's not to say you know in the 90s and you know there were some good things and yeah, there is, I mean yeah. there were but it was for another generation that was coming up and you know with the Nirvanas and the Pearl Jams and what have you right that were and then the Lilith aspect in the late 90s you know so if there was you know, each generation grabs to their own, I guess, is the right. best way to, I say, you know. 
Yeah. But yeah, I, I think it's important to be accepting of new, yeah, new yeah. art forms. You know, yeah. I think it's very important. Yeah. Now you have a new album coming out in July, right? The album of new songs. Yeah, it comes out. Um, it's called "The Groove at the End of the World," and um, actually, I have a clip that I think I would put together for you yep. that you can play from the, which is the main song from the movie. I'm from the album. Yeah. But yeah, I just, you know, I I kind of went in and out because I was on the road doing gigs and I would go back into the studio and every time I'd come back to the studio, I'd go, ah, no, that track doesn't work for the album. I've recorded over 35 songs for this album. Wow. You know? So, but it's like picking, I still believe in the art form of an album. I'm sorry, you know, we're, and I totally appreciate the individual downloads and all of that. But I think, you know, I just love doing it. I think it's just so much fun to create a thread of songs right. that sort of tell a story in their own way, and um, and 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 also giving the fans, you know, what you are and what you're about. I think that you know it's really for the fans that you make an album for, the hardcore fans, you know. Right. But um, but yeah, I'm really pleased with where this album. We're at the mixing. Well, we've got a few more tracks to record, but we're mixing a lot of the tracks. And there'll be a few of the tracks from Emerging Past that will be on this. Uh, um On this album as well. So I'm really pleased. I'm really pleased with where it's going. I'm you know definitely there's a lot of really good promotion going on come July and just you know a lot of good things. A lot of television shows are already. Uh, starting to use tracks from the album and what have you, and we're shooting a couple of really solid videos that uh, will go up on YouTube. And who knows <laughs> where it goes? Well, I tell you what, it's a pleasure having you on here. But one thing I will say is, um, I have um, um, the utmost respect for you. You know, when I say that. Anything from the 80s is, like I said before, it's part of my life growing up. It's like it sticks with you. And um, it's an honor to have you on my podcast. Well, it's today. a pleasure being here. And by the way, don't beat yourself up about the 80s thing too much. About You're not the only guy out there. In fact, there's a lot of young people now that totally gravitate to the 80s. I mean, when yeah. I've gone out on the... I swear to you, when I've gone out on gigs and... I mean, there's like 20-year-olds telling me, God, you grew up in such an amazing time. I can't tell you the amount of times mm -hmm. I've heard that, you know. Yeah. And they and they always equate it to the music. So, you know, listen, there was a lot of great music in that. You know, when you think about the various arrays of songs that came out of that from, you know, oh, God, from the Pet Shop Boys to, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, to Motley Crue, Yep. to in excess to you know I mean it was some fantastic you know music Tears for Fears I mean you know come on Thompson Twins <laughs> Culture Thompson Club. Twins yeah <laughs> oh listen we could go on couldn't we yes we could you know and I was a you know this is so weird but I was a big Michael Jackson fan I mean me being an 80's hair metal fan yeah anybody who from the 80's who says they never listened to Michael Jackson you They're liars. <laughs> you, you, there's no way to... Uh, uh, hey, listen. <laughs> and appreciated it. You yeah. know, I mean, that being more, being more said, you know, because they... He really was a definitive artist. He had... He was able to cross so many 
barriers. Barriers. Yeah. I mean, country people like him, you know? Yeah. So, you know, it, it really, you know, hats off to somebody that was able to create that yep, kind was. of thing, you know? I mean, we, and uh, there's something deep to be said about that. What a lot of people don't know is Michael Jackson was the very first black entertainer to have a video on MTV. Very true. Besides me. I'm black, too, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have, you know, i tell you one thing. I did, you know, I've had, uh, I love R&B music, and, yeah. I've, and I do love hip-hop, you yeah. know. And, um, but, yeah, you're right. He was the first black entertainer to yeah. have... Um, and then uh, I think uh, Prince came uh, second, I think. I think so. I think you're right about that. Yeah. That's interesting. I get delirious. Oh, sorry. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I sang to you now. Oh, boy. Are you vomiting? Uh, the fans are me. <laughs> <laughs> you. It, it takes bad. a lot for me to vomit. My <laughs> it friend. wasn't that bad, I hope. Yeah, but anyway. it wasn't that bad. <laughs> <But> any- <laughs> Anyways, is there, is there anything else that you want to mention to the listeners? No, nah, just for all of you, you know, good luck. Keep your heads up with this horrible economy that's trying to come yeah, back. Really. And, uh, I mean, I feel for everybody out there, you know. I mean, it's not a day that goes by that you don't see something. And, you know, just because I do what I do, and I'm not living in some la-la land, even though I live in la-la land, being L.A., yeah. you know, it's really, you know, I see what people go through. And we live in a very, you know, really rough and tough time, just on every level. So... The one cure-all is music, yes. and I want to give you the best music possible out there, so that's what I, I wish you all the best, and um, yeah, thanks for being, and for the fans that are listening, and the new ones, thanks so much for taking me on. No problem, and I thank you for taking time out for me to do this interview. Um, like I said, you know, fan for life, that's basically what it boils down to. All it takes is one song to hit your heart. And it stays with you forever. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. I can't tell you how much, and I, you know, love doing your show, so anytime, mate. Thank you very much. You have a great, I guess it's it's evening there, and it ain't quite dark yet, right? I beg your pardon? It it ain't dark there yet, is it? No. Not yet, but it's it's getting there. (laughs) It's dark. (laughs) I know, sure it is. Anyways, thank you very much. Um, Keep in touch. I mean, it's fun. It was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Absolutely. All right, mate. You take care, bud. All the best. You too. Everything I 
see my veins Closets closed and my heart's denied Of all the beauty in love's eyes Feel the pain, can you open up? Let me
Tom Mack, and you are listening to the fabulous, gruesome Herzog. Nobody better. 